Welcome to Channel 17's continuing coverage of General Election 2018. Election Day is November 6th, and we are getting ready here by bringing you 100 candidates and 31 forums in the month of October. So we're glad you can join us. And today we are with two women who are representatives in Burlington's District 6-5 in Burlington South End. We have Joey Donovan and Mary Sullivan. Thank you both for joining us. Our pleasure. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. Laura. Now, technically, you're running as Joanna Joey Donovan. Johanna Letty Donovan. Oh, Johanna Letty it Donovan. takes up a lot of space on the ballot. That's right. So there's no room for Joey. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no quote, Joey. <laughs> there you go. Okay, good. So thank you both for being with us. Um, you are both incumbents. You are running unopposed for the two seats. And why don't we just start with reminding the voters why you're running and what qualifies you for the position. And maybe, Joey, you okay. can start. Um, you know, I when I ran for the first time in the year 2000, um, I thought I would probably serve a couple of terms. Um, it has been really one of the most um, honorable things I've ever done in my life. I feel very, very fortunate to be able to serve the city of Burlington and Montpelier. Um, I go back again, and it will be for my, um, I think, 10th term, because there are issues that I've been involved with over the years that still have not um, happened, and um, I want to be able to pursue those. Uh, I was very disappointed uh, with our governor last year when he uh, vetoed the minimum wage bill and also the paid family leave bill. Paid family leave we've been trying to pass now for more than a few years. It is not a great expense to the taxpayers of Vermont, but it makes sense. I know in my family um, I was very grateful that we had the federal paid leave when we, my husband had an illness that I had a to leave work. It would have uh, been a lot easier had it been paid. But at least I knew I had a job to go back to, and it gave me time to do the job that I needed to do with him. So I'm going back to finish some of those things that I'm interested in, and um, I hope that uh, the people of the South End and Hill section of Burlington will agree that I deserve to do that. Thank you very much. Mary Sullivan. Um, thanks, and um, I really look forward to getting back into Montpelier um, and working on some of the issues that, um, unfortunately, the governor did veto some really, really good pieces of legislation the last time. It won't just be that that we'll be working on, but those will be important, and starting, I think, with paid family leave and minimum wage, um, I think, is crucial. Um, when you talk about an affordability agenda, these are two really crucial pieces to make affordability real in Vermont. Uh, you can't talk about that and then veto these bills. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, I do serve as vice chair of House Natural Resources Committee and co-chair the um, Legislative Climate um, Solutions Caucus. Uh, those are issues that I'm very passionate about, um, and I really want to see the state moving forward so that we start achieving our greenhouse uh, gas emissions um, goals that everybody says that they're very much in favor. Uh, if you have goals without a plan to achieve the goals, they are useless, and that's what I see that um, is happening a lot. Um, so, and I think it's very important uh, for people to know that this is not only an environmental, it's also an economic development um, agenda, um, that when you um, spend a dollar on fossil fuel in the state of Vermont, 80 cents of that goes out of the state. Um, that is not uh, strengthening our economy at all. So there'll be many issues that um, I'll be going back and hopefully working on, and uh, I really hope we can get some of these through uh, this time around. Well, let me segue to the question about climate change that we had prepared, and that question is, are there opportunities 
in climate change for Vermont? Maybe you could respond there, to there, that. Uh, there are a huge number of opportunities, and I think that's where you see the people who are visionary in their legislative approach, that they see these opportunities. Um, they don't just want to do the same old, same old, because that's what we've been doing. Uh, and uh, to move toward renewable um, energy and uh, better farming practices that, so that you're reabsorbing the carbon into the soils, it strengthens the soil, it, um, it's really good for everybody. Uh, we know from the uh, Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative that we've been a part of for a while from a study that was done there that our air is cleaner, that there's now quantifiable uh, fewer um, avoidable deaths and um, lost work time. And uh, so there are, there are a lot of health benefits for getting fossil fuel out of, our, um, out of our air. And then what do you think the opportunities, though, are in climate change when you, what do you see as the answer to that question? Um, I see a lot, you know, we have the renewable energy business out, out there. And um, that is a real uh, growth industry. We have a lot of young people working these jobs at uh, high salaries, good pay, good benefits. Um, <clears throat> you know, th this is where we're going to be growing our economy um, down the road. And uh, I think it'll be really, and there's a real advantage to kind of getting out there and doing it first and not always lagging behind. Um, I often say to people that we get up on the floor of the house and brag about how Vermont was the first to do this, we were the first to do that. And when it comes to current times, it's like, well, let's not be too much in a rush. Let's not be the first. Um, we're proud of our forebears for doing that, and I'd like to see a little bit more of that um, same attitude in uh, the legislature these days. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And I, I think recently, as recent as last week, I read or heard that um, top scientists say that we really only have about a 10-year window to really start to be serious about this and, and start to make the change. And um, it is um, unbelievable, as Mary says, that we have a number of climate change deniers in, in the State House. We certainly have the chief climate denier in Washington who is sending a, a, a message that um, it's not the crisis that it is. Um, I look uh, to my grandchildren and think uh, it is imperative that we address this. And, you know, Mary serves on natural resources and, and she's my chief advisor on all issues that have to do with energy and, and these issues. And uh, I think her statements today were really powerful about why we have to do something. Remind us what committees you serve on. I serve on Ways and Means. Yeah. And tell us, uh, let's talk a little bit about the budget then. Um, we've talked, uh, and maybe the bigger issue of the economy. Well, we, don't, we don't do the budget. We just find the find revenues the to support it. Exactly. So let's talk about the bigger category <clears throat> of the economy. And, you know, how would you characterize the health of Vermont's economy? And what do you think needs to happen? And what role would you play in creating a sustainable future? Well, you know, I, I think we, we have such um, kind of doomsayers about the state of Vermont. Um, we are a small state, we, ca we can't do everything, but I'm so um, impressed with the uh, commitments that we have taken on to uh, make life a little bit better for others and, and to find a way to pay for it. Um, I think Vermont is in a pretty good shape. I think the independent um, entrepreneurs that we have coming to this state are really, really making a difference. I think, um, I'm not sure that we brag about our excellent public education system as much as we should. 
Um, I would love to see an outreach where we're talking to skiing families that drive up here from Boston or New York to say, why don't you come here? You won't have to pay private school anymore. You can get a public school education. You can live here. You won't have to drive here every weekend. Really put that outreach out about how good the environment, the life, work, genuinely good workers, and great public education that we have. That would be a way to also expand our, our, our businesses. But I think overall, <clears throat> I was reading um, uh, my friend Paul Silo and Jack Hoffman from the Public Assets Institute. I, I go to their website a lot and read a lot of their materials. And, and I think they paint sort of a brighter picture of our economic future than sometimes uh, those in Montpelier do. Let me just ask you before we follow up on the, well, go ahead. Um, no, I was just um, going to point out that uh, Joey makes an excellent point in the fact that we do have excellent schools here and we should be celebrating that and supporting it. That's another point where uh, the governor has really been um, just such a disappointment. Uh, you know, this uh, the, for two years in a row, he plops these big issues uh, in the legislature very late in the session that we're very supposed to be working session. on. Uh, everybody knows the only way you get good legislation is to get it into committee, really vet it, and get people in to testify. Um, but it seems to be that he really wants to suck so much money out of public education. And uh, we are going to be like other states if we do that. And we, uh, we brag about the fact that we have really um, good schools, good public school teachers, and uh, we certainly want to make sure that that continues. How do you know that we have good schools? What makes you so sure about that? <clears throat> um, the way we um, uh, stack up um, on national um, surveys and, uh, and Joey might be I, able I think to we're usually this. in the top five of um, a school due to accreditation. I think uh, um, uh, the number of successful students we have. I think where we are failing is um, getting kids to actually follow through. You know, they, they may go to college for a year and then decide they're gonna do something else. That we need to do more on higher education to attract um, kids and to then retain those kids in those programs. One of the saddest things I have seen is um, students that go to college for two years or so leave without a degree, but leave with debt. And then they're not able to really get the job that pays enough to be able to pay back that debt. And already then they're behind the eight ball. So I think we need to do better. Um, when we um, started to have um, pay, pay for high school kids to take college classes, I was on the education committee at the time. And we really viewed that originally as aspirational for first generation kids. For them to be able to be exposed to a rigorous class, to be able to realize they could do it they could master that um, curriculum, and that they had it in them to go to college. And um, it now has become sort of a, a general um, uh, uh, expectation for many high school students um, to take those classes. And it's, it, it, um, it's one of the things that I um, was a part of in the legislature that I'm most proud of, that I see kids now who, who are going to college, and some of them have six, eight, even 12 credits. And so it saves them money in college, and it gives them a sense of accomplishment and a real good sense that they are uh, good thinkers and, and are really going to be the next generation of leaders here in the state of Vermont. So Mary, do you want to just add about your view of the economic state of the economy in Vermont? And do you have specific <coughs> ideas about 
building a sustainable economy? <clears throat> you know, I think that's very uh, closely linked to, um, you know, looking at climate change and seeing how um, we can uh, really help our state um, by changing our economy and uh, keeping up with this. And, um, you know, if we do that, we have all of these benefits, better jobs, cleaner air, uh, we're out in front by not importing uh, fossil fuel. So I think making sure that as we um, talk about growing jobs, that it's, it's not like attracting some big corporation from some far off place to come in and um, hire lots and lots of people in a certain area, but instead really supporting uh, the entrepreneurs that we have here and um, having the state open so that if other um, entrepreneurs and small business people um, see Vermont as friendly, they, um, they, they may come here. Um, and growing, um, growing jobs in that uh, way that it's, you know, it's dispersed, it's uh, Vermont friendly, uh, we're using the resources that we have here. Um, and I, um, the um, Vermont Council of Rural Development, uh, they do an excellent job of really trying to um, grow jobs in a very sustainable way by, you know, giving um, very small grants to, you know, a farmer or a restaurant owner that they might start expanding a little bit and go from two or three employees to five or six. And uh, that, I think, is the Vermont um, model that we want to really focus on and um, make sure that we... Uh, that we that we really stay with. So what kind of issues do you hear from your constituents in the South End? What do, what do they care about? What are they talking to you about? I, I think a lot of people and um, are talking about the crisis of opioids and um, uh, the dangerous situation that it's placing so many people in and, and the power of addiction. Mm -hmm. um, I think we need to commit to finding more treatment spaces and different ways of addressing that situation. Um, we had a young woman whose obituary now has gone worldwide, I think. Um, <clears throat> her family um, has been in Burlington for a long time and, and many of us are intimately friendly with them. And um, I think um, how brave they were to share that personal so sorrow and how um, open they were to um, talk about something that people have felt shame before. And um, I think many of us come from families where there has been addiction. There's been sort of a quiet desperation about it oftentimes. And um, so I would really hope that health and welfare and, and different committees in, that um, have to do with health will really start to look at that and see what can we do? Is there any impact that we can have on, on that issue? Do you think we're having an impact now? There's been a lot of resources and time and administrative design and public safety resources reallocate. Like we've, we've been doing we still, a lot. And yet we still have a significant problem. I is think. it going down in Vermont? I mean, you know, I don't, you know, I really don't know. I have I not have looked at that. That's something uh, that I think we all need to look at mm -hmm. yeah. and, and, and do the research that's necessary. What does work? Um, you know, I heard Gary DeCarolis on the radio this morning, just talking about places like Turning Point, where um, there's a safe place for people who, um, have problems with um, drugs and, and substance because um, it's been my experience that those folks have to sort of change their lives. They can't go back to be with the people that they had been with and, and that's asking a lot, 
you know, when you're recovering from cancer or some other disease, you, you still can go back to your friends and your and the life that you knew. Um, but the power of that, and then the and the places like Turning Point to offer people the computers to help write a resume, to just have friendship, to be able to have a co cup of coffee. Maybe those are the types of things we need to reach out and develop more of. You know, I'm not sure, but I certainly want to be able to start a conversation about that issue. And this certainly has shown such a drastic failure um, of allowing the pharmaceuticals to get away with, with what they've gotten away with. And, you know, how do we get them to actually um, be responsible for this uh, crisis that they certainly helped create? How did they help create it? Um, by, um, you know, OxyContin, you know, you have really pushing these drugs and then giving out too many tablets. So you send a high school kid home, they take two for what they need, and then there's 28 left over, and they can sell them at the high school. And uh, for some kids, and we've learned certainly from this obituary, um, who probably have a, an addictive type of personality, it doesn't take much to become an addict and, or become a person with addiction. Um, and um, it's, you know, we, let, we have let the pharmaceuticals get away with way too much. What are you hearing from your constituents in the South End? You know, certainly along with the um, opioid crisis, that certainly is a topic of conversation. You know, we have uh, water quality issues that's and um, that's a big one. Um, we have that big, beautiful lake that we have not been taken care of uh, for a very long time. And um, not to be totally critical of everything the governor does, but um, he, it was not a fun session last time, for sure, working with him. I don't think he, you know, he talked about no new taxes, no new taxes. That's all we heard. No new fees, no new taxes. Uh, rather than looking at is this an investment? I mean, that, that's how we run our families, our own personal lives, our own finances. Uh, we'll spend something to know that it's a good investment so that we'll have payback in the future. And there's nothing that will have better payback than starting to clean, getting the funding source so that uh, we really improve the water quality in that lake. It is a gem. It's, I, mean, I don't think anybody can imagine living in Burlington without Lake Champlain. You know, those beautiful sunsets that we watch over the lake in the Adirondacks and, you know, swimming and boating and, you know, it's part of our life here. I echo Mary, you know, um, <clears throat> Julie Moore, who's the, um, Secretary of the agency was in Ways and Means and we were talking about how to fund the cleanup of the lake. And I have great admiration for her and uh, for the work that she has done. But she was placed in a position where she had to talk about uh, reasons that they can't do it. And I finally had to say to her, it sounds to me is the reason that we can't do it is because of the fact of a campaign slogan which Mary referred to, no new taxes, taxes, no new fees. And I think, I think the governor painted himself into a box with that. I'm, I'm hoping that perhaps, um, I haven't heard him utter that this time around, no. because you know there are real problems and, and we're not over there just to you know, find out a new tax or whatever. But when you have issues as big as cleaning up Lake Champlain, we have to be somehow invested. And I want to um, also salute Beth Pierce, who did a fabulous study on the cleanup of the lake. And it's um, probably the best thing that we had to look forward to or to look at and to say, 
kind of start to study some of her um, suggestions in there. For funding. For funding. funding. We even went back, I learned a new word, as sheets, <laughs> which are, um, they're, they're the uh, bottle returns that don't get taken back, so the state gets the money somehow. So we thought, well, we could use some of the sheets. It's funny, those, uh, those issues that never go away. When I served in the 90s, <clears throat> we had hoped to get that through back then. The I go away for uh, 14 years and I come back and it's like, oh yes, we never did that, did we? <laughs> yeah. So what was it that Beth Pierce had suggested as a funding mechanism that was not adopted? I, mean, I think part of it was a parcel fee. Yeah. And I think we now have GPS mapping that can probably do that better. I think we have mapping now that can show where there are uh, non-pervious um, uh, things, and you know Surfaces. we have big, big parking lots outside of shopping centers and um, all sorts of places that we could say, you know, here is the map. This is what, and you should probably be somehow taxed on that or, or pay and some fee. And cutting off that runoff is so important. We've got to we've got to be able to. We don't want to just be cleaning up. We want to be cutting off the runoff from. You know, we did start the regulation of small farms, which is yeah. crucial. It should have happened before. Um, you know, there's a lot of elements that go into making the lake dirty, um, but you cannot be having yeah, this phosphorus just running off because you're a small farm. And um, so, so that seems like the farmers um, have come on board. and They have, um, I think. We had a discussion, I think, before you came back to the legislature on riparian buffers, that farmers would have to put some sort of a buffer between that and any stream that went through the land. And I can remember, I thought it was a, a very simple um, debate, and uh, we were there four hours later, and it became a private property discussion, hmm. and that the state had no right, you know, to impose that on anyone. I don't think we, we have that same viewpoint I, I today in the either. legislature. And when you're polluting a public um, good like that, you know, yep. that's what it's about. It's not whether you have, you have a right to your own privacy and whatever, if nothing you do impacts. Right someone else or something else, but uh, that's a different debate when it certainly does. Um, I'm prompted this question because at the governor's debate last night, I think it was Emily Payton, recommended growing marijuana in those buffers huh. as a way to absorb phosphorus. So, I'm, I, so the question that comes to mind is, what's your view on the legalization of marijuana that's taken place? Do you think the state should go further? What's your view on this? Um, I, I was a supporter of um, of uh, legalization. Uh, first of all, I think any um, issues around drugs should become a mental, I mean, a, a health issue and not, uh, not um, something that we deal with in courts. Uh, but aside from that, it seemed like um, our medical marijuana list was growing and growing every year. And I'd, be, I'd hear people talk about um, how they use it for this thing or they use it for that. And I'm thinking, well, this is in place of prescription medication. Um, I think that's a good thing. Um, but I, I do think we also, uh, I would like to see us move to um, regulation and taxation of it. Um, as um, I believe Massachusetts and Quebec um, are in the process of doing. Um, I agree with Mary. <clears throat> I'm a strong supporter of legalization of marijuana. Um, it does not make sense to me that we legalize alcohol and do not legalize marijuana. Um, I also have never heard of anyone 
um, smoking a joint and going home to beat their wife up. It happens on a daily basis with alcohol. I think the law that we passed, I think, is simplistic. Um, it's foolish. I thought it was um, an extremely small step. Uh, and I think, and I'm hoping, that with, um, there'll be some leadership to expand it, and that we now, when we have Quebec, which is in business, and um, Massachusetts and Maine is certainly um, also um, going forward, that um, we do um, start to sell it legally, tax it legally, and make some money off it. You know, when we first had that study a uh, number of years ago, I think the, the amount that we were going to be able to make if we legalized marijuana that next that next session, which was not in the realm of possibility, was $35 million. I'm sure it'd be less now. But again, and I'm sure much of it would be going to health and it would be going to education, which are two wonderful places for it to go. But I think the time has come. I think marijuana was demonized many years ago in Washington and um, it needs to come out of the shadows now. We need to recognize. And as I was kind of doing my due diligence, um, when I was, um, you know, I, I was definitely leaning in support of it. Uh, but I was talking to a lot of people and talked to a lot of young people and asked, um, okay, you were in high school recently. If you wanted a, a drug, uh, would you have known where to go? Even the kids who never, ever used it said, well, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'd rather have a system where um, we're not exposing them to really bad people and bad things and um, and dangerous things now dangerous with fentanyl things. and all that other stuff that they mm -hmm. put in lacing it with. Are they lacing marijuana with fentanyl? I, I heard that that you can you, there's a problem that you can um, have that issue. If and I guess um, for those people that I know that um, do use marijuana, um, they have a relationship with their dealer and they know who they're. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think people who, with. who imbibe know how to get it. So that's sort of one exactly. of the questions. Is yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure you can lace fentanyl marijuana with fentanyl, but let me just. Well, I'll have to check on that. I'll do some deeper research. Um, let me just ask you, sir. We have a couple, four more minutes left. Um, I imagine you're not fans of the federal government at this time, or the people that are running it. Perhaps certainly not. That might be more specific. So what? What do you see as your role in, as a legislative leader in a state like Vermont in this time where you, have such, you don't agree with a lot of the decisions that are coming out of D.C.? What, what can you do and what can the state do? You know, do? it's interesting. Last year I introduced a resolution um, that would have um, changed the way the president just has um, the sole access to the nuclear codes, that it would have to be um, more of... Um, you know, a few people consulting and making a decision like that. And <clears throat> people in the legislature, there's always some who, if it's an issue they don't want to push through, says, that's none of our business. Um, it's all our business. You know, every public policy issue that we have, either at the state or the federal level. Um, and I hope that um, if this man in the White House um, you know, I'm sure he will continue doing the um, awful things he's been doing, that we, that we continue to speak up. I'm very, very proud of our congressional delegation. I think all three of them are doing a fabulous job at really being leaders and being the moral leaders that we need. Um, that lack of morality at the federal level is appalling to me. 
Joey? Um, I, I think that what we can do here is um, work hard to maintain the civility and the types of legislation that we've done for the, for the time that I've been there, which really impact Vermonters in positive ways. Um, it is uh, appalling, the situation we have in um, Washington. Um, I'm hoping beyond hope that November 7th will bring a bright day that perhaps we have, uh, Democrats have taken over the House of Representatives and so the that there will be some sort of accountability. I believe there's can be a lot of questions that could be asked at that time from uh, the president's taxes. I think the most recent thing that's just so offensive is his lack of um, reaction to this horrible, by every account, murder of this Saudi Arabian uh, reporter. And um, again, the um, at, a, at a rally last night, he applauded somebody who had um, physically assaulted uh, a reporter. He has such disregard for the press and for other people that are uh, really functional in our democracy. So um, I don't know what I'm going to do the 7th of November if we don't have that um, tide and that change. Oh, we're counting on it. Well, scared. I want to thank you both for joining us today. Well, it's gone. Bye. I know. We, um, we have Joey Donovan, Johanna Letty Donovan, and Mary Sullivan, who are both representatives of Burlington South End, legislative representatives, representatives in our house for District 6-5. Thank you so much for joining us, and please stay tuned here to Channel 17's continuing coverage of general election 2018. And we'll see you November 6th for live town meeting, oh, general election results. Thanks.